to all listening. I am Zoya McCook, and welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. Today, I have here with me Kelly Strachan, Paige Sylvester, Kayla Johnson, and Christina Healy. What we wanted to talk about today was the accessibility that women have to everyday feminine hygiene products. Unfortunately, the topic of menstruation has been stigmatized around the world and viewed as a taboo. So many of you listening today may not be aware that this is a growing issue, not only in the U.S., but in the whole wide world. Women all across the nation and globe struggle to afford the necessary feminine hygiene products needed to survive. Since the invention of the sanitary napkin, feminine hygiene products have become more and more expensive. When feminine products are not easily accessible or affordable, Women are forced to use unsanitary products such as old clothes, sawdust, and rags. Women of low income even prioritize basic needs such as food, water, and shelter over their feminine and reproductive health. Access to feminine hygiene products are so crucial to the well-being of each and every woman that it begins to take a toll if not provided eventually. Thank you, Zoe, for introducing us. My name is Kelly Strachan, and I will begin our first segment on women's health issues from a global perspective. To begin, I wanted to say a quote from Sylvia Estrada Claudia, the chair of the board for Women's Global Network for Reproductive Rights. She said, the women's health movement must not feel itself out of its depths when it engages the movement against globalization. In the past and today, regimes of control determine the way we work, love, and live. Then and now, women have resisted. As long as there is a need for resistance, there is a need for a movement. Where women work together to free themselves from class, caste, race, colonial, neo-colonial, heterosexist, and other regimes of control, there we shall find our movement. So the growing concern of globalization's effect on gender equality and the feminization of poverty is what we'll be talking about in this segment. Current estimates from the World Bank reveal that more than 1.2 billion people around the world live on less than $1 per day, while 2.8 billion, or almost half of the world's population, live on less than $2 per day. However, this extremely general definition of poverty does not include social exclusions of a specific region, such as gender inequality. So how does gender inequality and global poverty act as an impediment resulting from globalization affecting women's health issues? Gender inequality suggesting women, especially those in third world countries, are not benefiting from the economic or social benefits brought with globalization. Global gender inequality generally shows women with a lack of control over land ownership, credit, education, employment, legal protections, health and social services, and thus more prone to poverty than men. The combination of poverty and gender inequality can have a profoundly negative effect on health and development. Globalization has contributed to the improvement of many women's health and gender inequality issues, including the participation in the workforce, female enrollment in educational institutions, political participation, the creation of non-governmental institutions that focus on women's health, health and rights, or NGOs. These gains from globalization are impressive. However, while absolute poverty has shown a decrease, gender equality gaps remain in many notions.
Some estimates go as far as to, to suggest 70% of the world's poor are women and young girls. 50% increase in rural poverty among women in the last 40 years compared to a 30% increase among men. Widespread privatization has shown many consequences for women. Examples, job loss from cuts due to the private sector, an increase in part-time self-employed women, and an increase in prostitution. As a result, this is limiting their ability to engage in education and other income-generating activities. Additionally, exposing them to a wider range of health risks and diseases such as HIV and AIDS in many African countries where women are filling the gaps that result from these reforms and working low-paying and poorly regulated jobs. Over the past three decades, the world has witnessed an enormous economic transformation brought on by an increased global flow of goods and services, technology, and information. These changes have transformed the way global markets and institutions function and have therefore changed the economic landscape for individuals, households, firms, and governments. Globalization has brought increased access to economic opportunities for women. Trade openness and the spread of information and communication technologies have increased women's access to economic opportunities and increased their wages relative to men's. It's still a fact that many biological, social, and societal factors can affect the ability of women to achieve health and access to health care. This includes pregnancy and childbirth, cultural and gender inequalities, violence, and discrimination. The World Health Organization in 2013 released a fact sheet that included how women are disadvantaged. This includes rape and sexual violence has traditionally been used as a weapon of war. Globally, HIV and AIDS is a leading cause of death for women of reproductive age. Leading cause of death among women 15 to 19 years old in developing countries is avoidable complications of pregnancy and childbirth. And in 2008, there were 300 58,000 maternal deaths, 99% occurred in developing countries. Despite these facts, women are less likely to be used in drug and clinical trials. To conclude, health issues that affect women universally include high maternal mortality rates, malnutrition, sexually transmitted infections, work-related health risks, domestic abuse, and gender inequities. Globally, we know that some things will affect women more often than they do men, such as poverty, changing demographics, violence and discrimination, and lack of education. All of these have a great adverse effect on women's health. Thanks, Kelly. Up next, we have a guest speaking about her firsthand experience with global women's health issues. Hi, my name is Zevin, and last year I went on a service trip overseas to Honduras, and while I was on this trip, part of what we did was a conference for women um, to kind of teach them about feminine hygiene and how to care for themselves during their menstrual cycle, because typically in a nation such as Honduras, a lot of the women don't know exactly how to take care of their bodies as it's changing and developing and so a lot of times when they are on their period they have to stop going to school or going to work so um basically what we did was we kind of did some um education about how to properly care for yourself um throughout your menstrual cycle and then we also handed out kits that included underwear and soap um as as well as these reusable pads that they could um use so that they wouldn't have to prevent themselves from going out and taking part in their everyday life. 
So we just looked at the many issues surrounding feminine hygiene from a global standpoint, but how does the U.S. compare to the other nations of the world? When looking at the nations in Africa, India, and Southeast Asia, the United States has better access to menstrual and feminine care products, particularly sanitary tampons and pads. However, these products are not necessarily accessible to every woman in the every woman in the United States. Women who live below women who live the, below the poverty line or who are homeless may struggle to access these products. When women can't afford these products, it bars them from going to school, going to work, or participating in other activities during their menstrual cycle. Some women resort to the use of unsanitary alternatives such as rolling up toilet paper. They may also not change out their products as frequently as needed, which can be severe to their menstrual health. Why are we seeing this problem in the United States, especially if we do have better access to these products? Why do the financial struggles faced by these women impact their ability to maintain their hygiene? These financial struggles can be attributed to the pink tax or the tampon tax. This is the extra amount women pay for everyday feminine care products, such as tampons, pads, and other menstrual products. These items are considered a luxury rather than a necessity. This tax is not specifically put on tampons as a separate tax, but rather included, rather these products are included in a state's sales tax base. The big question is if tampons, pads, and other menstrual products are necessary for, if they are necessary for a woman to maintain her health, why are these products considered a luxury? Why are these products deemed not essential if they are essential to women's health? On average, states that include tampons and pads in their sales tax base increase the cost of a box of these products by about 30 to 50 cents. It might not seem like a lot, but if a woman buys one box every month over about 40 years, these numbers add up. 25 million women live below the poverty line in the United States and don't have access to menstrual products because of this tax. Many women in America who live in these conditions must decide if they want to spend the extra money for these these products or spend it on other necessities such as food. Why should women have to choose between two necessary things? As mentioned before, these price increases lead lead them to using unsanitary alternatives and not maintaining their menstrual hygiene. So how is the United States handling this issue? Some states are eliminating menstrual menstrual products from their sales tax base. At the end of 2019, 16 states will remove their sales tax on these products. Some schools, as well as certain cities across the United States, are beginning to provide menstrual products for free for those that may not be able to access or afford them. According to an article by Time Magazine, a group of UGA students created an initiative to donate these hygiene products to Athens area shelters. This is not the only initiative in the United States to help the feminine hygiene health crisis, as many organizations are collecting these products for women. While the United States is working to increase access and decrease cost of these products, there are still many issues that surround women's health. How can we end the stigma that surrounds it? I think a lot of ideas for new policies have been tossed around in efforts to help the situation. However, from a public health standpoint, there are multiple barriers and challenges to creating the correct amount of care for women. One of the biggest being what's already been spoken on and what Kayla just touched on is just the price of products and how for low socioeconomic families, they're not able to afford the quote-unquote luxury products. 
um, but also one of the largest barriers um, is just the social stigma that surrounds menstruation altogether. It's the idea that periods shouldn't be talked about, and it's something that's engraved in kids' heads from a very young age. And it's one of the largest contributors to the lack of policy that has been made in support of women's health. Um, it's not openly discussed among primarily male-dominated policymakers, therefore no action is made. And this is the perspective on periods um, comes purely from the lack of education. Uh, if the world saw menstruation as a natural, normal thing, then products and access to care would be treated as a necessity and not as a luxury. Despite the challenges faced involving the resolvement of lack of access to feminine care products, among other feminine health issues, there are opportunities for public health intervention. As mentioned earlier, the pink tax, also known as the tampon tax, is something that needs to be eliminated. Healthcare products like chapstick or shampoo are exempt from sales tax in many U.S. states. However, things like tampons do not seem to fall into this category. This discussion is uncomfortable for male lawmakers, but it needs to be brought to their attention. This pink tax needs to be eliminated, making feminine products more accessible and affordable to women. There have been efforts made to eliminate the pink tax in the U.S. The U.S. has passed laws mandating that schools provide period products to students and that federal prisons make menstrual products free. There have also been some U.S. states such as New York, Maryland, and New Jersey that have already eliminated the tax on feminine care products. There are officials who have recommended policies or opportunities. As said by Sanjay Wedjuskera, a former UNICEF Chief of Water, Sanitation, and Hygiene, meeting the hygiene needs of all adolescent girls is a fundamental issue of human rights, dignity, and public health. On a more global scale, another challenge mentioned earlier was the sanitation issue. When women don't have access to the products they need, they will use products such as old rags, old clothes, and sawdust. These conditions need to be worked on to improve the sanitation and hygiene for the most vulnerable countries. Women need to be guided. The organization, the WSSCC, is working to improve these issues globally. The WSSCC aims to break the menstruation stigma and change national policy through education and behavior change with initiatives like hosting menstrual waste workshops in West and Central Africa and promoting toilet designs that can handle menstrual material waste in India. As you can tell, people are taking great actions around the world to help improve the conditions for women globally. Unfortunately, there are still great strides that have to be taken. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Women's Health Podcast.